You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcasts. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows TRIO programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former TRIO staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with TRIO. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Amelia, for that wonderful introduction. Hello, listener, and welcome to a very special episode of Let's Talk Trio. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In today's episode, we have Maureen Hoyler and Dr. Arnold Mitchum. Both are past presidents of the Council for Opportunity in Education. Maureen and Dr. Mitchum are here to talk about the Council for Opportunity in Education, its origin story, and how it continues to champion TRIO programs. So coming up in just a bit, Dr. Arnold Mitchum and Maureen Hoyler. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario O'Reilly, Dr. Ryan Barone, Dr. Jamie Motley, Angelica Valdez, Felicia Rivera, Jaded Electronics, TRIOJobList.com, Nosotros Education Center, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. You too can be a sponsor of the podcast. Head on over to Patreon and search for Let's Talk Trio. Choose one of four patron levels. You can support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month. A dollar a month goes a long way in supporting this podcast. If you own a business and would like to run an ad on our podcast, send the team a message for sponsorship packages. Become a supporter with a one-time donation to the podcast PayPal account. Our PayPal account is at Let's Talk Trio. Again, that handle is at Let's Talk Trio. Any amount is truly appreciated. If you would like to nominate a participant, staff, or alumni to be on the podcast, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. Again, a great episode featuring Dr. Arnold Mitchum and... Maureen Hoyler with the Council for Opportunity in Education. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Three, two, 
one. Hi, Trio Nation. My guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast served as president of the Council for Opportunity and Education, also known as COE, and have long been involved in advocating for first-generation, limited income, and individuals with disabilities. Ms. Maureen Hoyler sir, received her BA and her law degree from Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ms. Hoyler has been a voice for low-income, first-generation students and individuals with disabilities. As, as president of COE, she over, oversees management of the Washington office and the fiscal affairs of the association while also serving as the primary liaison between the association and the United States Congress, the executive branch, and all governmental agencies. She is the official representative of the association with all other post-secondary educational associations. Dr. Arnold Mitchum received his Bachelor of Arts in History and Education from the University of Southern Colorado, now known as Colorado State University Pueblo. He has a PhD in History and Philosophy of Education from Marquette University. He began his career on the History Faculty at Marquette University in Milwaukee and has named the Director of the Educational Opportunity Program in 1969. Dr. Mitchum started the Council for Opportunity in Education in 1981 and served as the President until October 2013. Welcome to the podcast, Maureen Hoyler and Dr. Arnold Mitchum. Hello to you both from Colorado. Wow. It's great to be with you today. Wonderful to be here. I am excited and extremely honored to have you both on this podcast. This is a long time coming. We appreciate your time and your energy today. Thank you. So it has been my goal to interview you all, the excellent folks at COE. Uh, this interview is truly a milestone for the uh, Let's Talk Trio podcast. Uh, I just wanted to, yeah, just let, uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Well, Mitch, you go first, okay? Well, I uh, grew up in Chicago and Colorado, Pueblo specifically, graduated from Pueblo Catholic High School, uh, where I got a lot of great values, um, moved on. They ended up, as uh, Juan mentioned, uh, in Milwaukee at Marquette University and uh, that, that's uh, kind of my career. Came here in 1986, between 1974 and 86, when I was at Marquette. I was in Washington uh, for at least uh, two or three days or every month from that time until 86, uh, until I got here, uh, a commuter lobbyist, so to speak. And But then I finally moved my family and all here in 1986. All along, I had the great support and help and, and genius of my colleague here, Maureen Hoyler, who started working with me, the college work study student, back in the early 70s and just kept on and has done an outstanding job. So here we are, Juan. Fantastic. Fantastic. So Ms. Hoyler, might, if you want to, yeah. It, it might be good to, to talk uh, with your audience a little bit about why trio is organized, what what organized trio is. So Dr. Mitchum, um, actually, when he took over as director of the, of the Educational Opportunity Program at Marquette, that was totally funded by Marquette. It, there was no federal money in that oh, wow. program. Mm -hmm. But during the first year of the program, uh, Marquette applied for and received a federal what now would be known as a special uh, is a student support services grant at mm -hmm. the time with special services for disadvantaged students grant. Mm -hmm. So within a couple of years after um, after receiving that grant, 
the offices of the, there was no Department of Education at that time. There was an office of education in the Department of Health, Education, Welfare. And those offices were regional. So there was an office in Denver. There was an office in San Francisco. There was an office in Dallas. There was an office in Chicago. And the head of those offices uh, in Chicago came, met with Dr. Mitchum and mm -hmm. suggested that the people who worked in TRIO programs should form an advisory council to the Office of Education, the regional office. So that's mm -hmm. how um, he got involved in mm -hmm. organized TRIO. But Mitch, you might want to say a little bit about why being an advisory group didn't make didn't didn't make sense to you. Uh, it yeah. didn't make sense to me, Maureen, because we didn't have any policy authority. We we didn't have any program authority. Uh, they could roll us in and roll us out, and that and that didn't make much sense to me, and didn't have a good feeling. And mm -hmm. so uh, we were professionals. Uh, other professionals, like the student financial aid officers, uh, they had an association. So that became a kind of a uh, lighthouse for us, so to speak. Well, at any rate, make a long story short, in 72, in the Southwest, they created SWASAP, Southwest Association of Student Assistance Programs, and mm -hmm. then around the Great Lakes followed in forming the Educational Opportunity Association. <clears throat> and I was privileged to be elected president. I used that platform to uh, work with people in all regions and states to encourage people to create uh, eight other regional associations. And then finally, in 1977, in New Orleans, I brought 21 people together, the leadership of, of these 10 regional associations, uh, including the one, one uh, that represents where you are now, Aspire, uh, mm -hmm. which formed in Park City, Utah in 1977. Wow. And, uh, and there we decided to create the National Coordinating Council of Educational Opportunity Associations, which became the instrument and the vehicle for us to raise the money, do the policy work, and eventually open an office across from the Soviet embassy in June of 81. Now, what's important to understand is that between 77 and, and 1979, in our work, we achieved uh, a policy consensus from trio directors and staff all across the country. What do I mm -hmm. mean by that? We, at the time, as I said, policy authority was vested primarily with the Office of Education. We uh, put together a national consensus as to who's eligible, what the functions of the program would be. We completely rewrote the legislation in H.R. 5192. Uh, my colleague here, Ms. Hoyler, was, was out of law school, and she translated our rhetoric into legal language so mm -hmm. that the Congress could read it. <laughs> so uh, then that was passed by the President of the United States in November of 1980, signed that... Uh, Northern Virginia Community College, and the rest is history. Prior experience, wow. first generation, all of that was formed and created between 1977 and, and 1980, critical wow. years. Then after that became the appropriations battles. And well, Ms. Wait, Hoyler, wait, why don't you talk I'm about gonna, that? I'm going to interrupt here. <laughs> I, I think the, the, the students that are um, uh, listening today and, and for the staff right. as well, um, those individuals that formed those regional associations and then the National Council 
they believed that they were they had an obligation that they were best placed mm-hmm. to represent those students because they they worked with those students they every day and so that they had an obligation to talk with congress about what trio programs should look like mm-hmm. um, because if if they didn't people who had never worked with low income first generation students um never worked with black students or hispanic students would be writing the laws that um govern trio programs so mm-hmm. um they really felt that it they needed to have a voice because if they didn't have a voice their students wouldn't have a voice mm-hmm. so the the point of coe is not what what we do out of this washington office the point of what we do is that we give a voice to all the students at Colorado State and at Marquette and at Chicago State and at UCLA and at the Dallas Community College system, that that's our obligation is to make sure that the educators working in TRIO and the mm-hmm. students working by TRIO have a voice. So mm-hmm. that, that's why we exist. That's awesome. Um, so in, in that, if I may ask a, a question, um, were your educational experience going through college or seeing um, just overall your, your experience with uh, first-generation students, did that experience motivate you to be a voice for first-generation students? Uh, um, what happened with me is that I uh, was involved in a student movement at Marquette to get a program like Student Support Services started for local students, Black and Hispanic students, especially in Milwaukee. And Mitch was the first director of that program. So uh, it was working in the program, my experiences working in the program that that said, hey, this is fun. <laughs> I mm-hmm. enjoy this. This is important work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's something that I think I would, you know, when you're 20 or 21 you don't say oh i'm going to do this for the rest of my life you just say i'm going to do this tomorrow and so tomorrow ended up to be pretty long Mm, gotcha okay and for dr and maybe dr mitchum can talk more about this is um from the beginning the educators who worked in trio programs believe that we would only be an effective organized group mm-hmm. if we represented a true partnership between black and Hispanic educators. Mm-hmm. And it was critical. It was absolutely critical that Hispanic educators be at the table. And because TRIO came out of the civil rights movement, um, it, it had to be deliberate that, that Dr. Mitchum as the organizer and the, the, the kind of the point of contact for these regional associations had to make that absolutely clear that this wasn't a this this was a partnership that grew out that was critical to trio the operational rainbow coalition yes. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it worked it wasn't just rhetoric absolutely so, like getting that consensus, getting that law passed, 
where all of the uh, Latino organizations in the United States supported COE when people tried to tear us apart using race and ethnicity as different tricks. You know the tricks, Juan. And oh, so we go for the tricks. And so we got the law and the land. So, but before we got the law, to be honest, um, and uh, Mitch always, uh, probably in one out of three speeches that he's given in his life, he always talked about show me the money because mm-hmm. you, you can judge uh, an effectiveness. Are we serving more students? Are we expanding the reach? Are we are we having more impact? Mm-hmm. So when um, in 1970. When Mitch first started going to Washington, as he said back in 1973, 74, um, he we were very lucky because at that time in Washington, um, people were really interested in the experience of students and the experience of the programs. And so a number of members of Congress and their staff uh, welcomed him and his colleagues. They testified before a number of subcommittees and their staff introduced him and his colleagues to other staff. So at the time he first started going to Washington, we had an appropriation. That means the amount of money that was spent in TRIO programs was $70.3 million. Okay. Hmm. So, and it had been frozen um, for three, it was frozen at $70.3 million for three years. Okay, mm-hmm. the efforts of Shirley Chisholm, who sat on the on the committee that writes the law, but not on the money committee. Um, Dr. Mitchell was introduced to Lou Stokes, who was the founding member of the Black Caucus, who um, sat on the the money committee, the appropriate mm-hmm. subcommittee, and Mr. Stokes immediately he was he had to be he had to get informed. His first question when Dr. Mitchell went in and said, hey, it's been frozen. He said, well, what's wrong with the program? Why is it frozen? So he mm-hmm. he, hadn't, he didn't have experience of the program. Right. But once he got experience, every year he worked to increase that appropriation. And when he retired, many other members took up that cause. Um, mm-hmm. So now the TRIO appropriation is about $1.3 billion dollars. Okay, wow. so it moved from seventy million to one point three billion, and that's only because people that are listening to your podcast are organized and who fight every year to get that appropriation raised. We can't in Washington get that appropriation raised. It mm-hmm. has to be the students and their families and the educators that work to get that appropriation raised. So it really speaks to the importance of using community voices to continue advocating for the TRIO programs and really uh, leveraging that uh, community power. That's exactly correct. Can I make a point here? Absolutely. Uh, uh, Mr. Stokes retired in 1998, but in 1995, uh, he was still on the committee. But at that time, the, the Congress had changed, the House had changed hands from mm-hmm. the Democrats to the Republicans, and Republicans were advancing what they called a contract with America. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oscar Hernandez, who is a talent search director in San Antonio, Texas, and I were invited to testify before the Appropriations Committee. And before we testified, one of the members of the, of the Appropriations Committee stepped off the dais 
and came and, and hugged Oscar and shook my hand. His name was Henry Bonilla, who he was a, a graduate of that talent search program and would tell you that today and told us then that if it hadn't been for his parents and that talent search program, he'd have never, ever gone to the University of Texas where he got wow. the skill, the confidence, and the training to not only become a uh, major network newsman in New York City, but later a United States congressman representing San Antonio. And that's why he was there that morning to help us. Is still with us. He's one of us. Yes, absolutely. And I'll take a moment to say now that without being, me being a Trio Bound alum, I, I absolutely uh, very grateful for all the work that COE does. Uh, I'm very much in the same sentiment of had it not been for Upward Bound, I don't think I would be where I am today. Um, just experience all the great things that I've experienced so far. So uh, again, thankful for all the work that you all do uh, for advocacy of the programs and for everything that you do to um, join our communities together. Hey there, we'll be right back after a message from our sponsor. Are you seeking guidance to enhance your TRIO project's effectiveness and success? Look no further. Nosotros Education Center, NEC, is here to empower your TRIO project with expert consulting services. NEC's mission is to promote the effectiveness and impact of TRIO programs. Since 2003, NEC has specialized in providing professional development and in-service staff trainings, allowable cost services, for TRIO projects across the country. The team at NEC, with over 60 years of combined TRIO experience, offers customized workshops and seminars for project staff, compliance assessments, external evaluations, working on and submitting APRs, database customization and training, developments of policies and procedures manuals, and project implementation or reorganization services. Additionally, NEC has secured over $774 million in federal funding with a 92% success rate through their live and on-demand proposal workshops, assistance with data collection and review, detailed technical reviews, and comprehensive proposal development services. Join the hundreds of colleges, agencies, and TRIO projects across the country who benefited from NEC's expertise. Nosotros Education Center, your partner in TRIO's project success. Visit their website at nosotrosedu.org. Again, that's nosotrosedu.org. And now, back to the podcast. Um, so you were talking about that uh, sometimes those elections happen when, when the, the change of the guard happens. Uh, that can make maintaining relationships with Congress, the, not only Congress, but other uh, other folks as well that have a vested interest in, in education. Does that make forming those relationships difficult? Or how does COE navigate um, not only those existing relationships, but continuing new relationships or forming new relationships with Congress? Well, well the point is you want to have the relationship as early as you can. So since many members of Congress first served in their state legislatures, one of our efforts now is to make sure we have more impact at the state level. And of mm -hmm. course, higher education is primarily a responsibility of the states. Mm -hmm. And so it's really crucial that 
And many times people that served in the state legislature um, come to Congress. So you want to have those relationships. But, you know, I can't walk into those offices. Mitch can't walk into those offices. The people that create the relationship are people who vote for the member. And mm-hmm. so they they have to introduce us. They have to say, uh, you know, this is really important to us in, in Fort Collins. This is really, and get involved so that they can have that impact once, once an election takes place. But you have to work this year, for example, every March, the first activity that COE ever sponsored, we were incorporated one day, the next day, mm-hmm. the people are, went to the Hill, argued to get um, increases for TRIO. Um, every year, people come, alumni, students, but educators come. Uh, we visit almost every congressional office that has a TRIO program in, in it has, there's some, some congress districts that don't have any TRIO programs, but mm-hmm. our, our goal is to have members, individuals from those districts meet with their representative and tell them what TRIO needs and how important it is. So, um, it's really, really key. In what areas uh, for as advocates for college access and equity in education, in what areas has COE found success and where are areas that are still challenging? Well, we certainly found success in, in appropriations, but we're serving fewer than 7% of the students that are eligible. So, you know, you say oh, we grew from 100 million, 70.3 million to um, a billion three, but if that doesn't mean anything to the student you haven't served you know mm-hmm. it doesn't make anything make any difference to the high school you haven't reached out to i mean so right. until you these services are available across the board you still have a lot of work to do and then of course you, you also have to um make sure that every program has enough money because what I always say is that the two things that are important to most TRIO students, the ch- things that change their lives are people, the TRIO staff, mm-hmm. and experiences. It's the first time I came to Denver. It's the first time I went out of state. It's the first time I, um, it, it's not how great the math class was. It's typically what people remember is a person that affected them really an experience that saw that there were, that they could achieve many things that they hadn't dreamed about before. Mm-hmm. Well, given people those experiences and hiring qualified staff, we need to do more and more of that. We have to have, we, you don't want somebody to have to choose to stay in TRIO or not stay in TRIO because they can't pay enough or because we mm-hmm. don't have enough money to travel to some rural areas. So it, keeping every budget in a, reasonable level is really important so um those are the kinds of things that you have to keep fighting for absolutely Uh, as an advocacy organization for various educational outreach programs uh partnerships are uh, just as important what partnerships do you form outside of congress so we have a number of of partnerships with corporations okay A, a real big focus that we're building um, you want every student who gets a degree, you want that degree to open up 
the world to them. And right now, minority students and low-income students sometimes don't get they don't get access to certain internships. They don't mm. get access to certain leadership programs. So we really are partnering with corporations to to try to make sure that they don't just that the programs can can give students experiences that make them very very competitive in whatever mm. market they want to be in. So that's really important in terms of other parts of the um, universities. We're partnering with the academic advisement association because um we want to make sure that not just trio students but every low-income first generation or underrepresented student gets good advising so many times students are put into too many classes when they're freshmen and they get they can't compete in both chemistry and calculus at the same time right um so that's important we first uh, we're partnering with the Student Personnel Association to make sure that first-generation students are celebrated, that they're an asset to our campuses and that they're celebrated, particularly in November of every year. So Mm -hmm. uh, those are examples of our partnerships. Wonderful. It seems that at any given grant cycle, whether it's new upper bound programs, new SSS programs, or any TRIO program, uh, that these uh, institutions are awarded uh, this money to host the, the TRIO program. Uh, but some of these institutions may not feel ready or may not have staff in place to have fully implement uh, that grant. How does COE help those new and existing programs be ready to serve their populations and serve their students? Well, we start even before um, e- even before they get the grant. So next week, um, I'm going to San Diego to and we do proposal writing workshops and forums because the next trio cycle will people will be competing for student sports services grants. So they wrote it five years ago, but higher education's changed a lot in the last five years. So you really want them to be thinking in new ways. So, and then we do a lot of pro- professional development for new directors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we try to be there at every state every stage of the game. Absolutely. Uh, Because uh, COE uh, strongly advocates for college access and outreach programs, and and it's definitely critical for the public to continue voicing uh, their support for TRIO programs, but uh, in what ways can the public also support COE and and your mission and your vision? We're particularly, which you may want to join in on this, the people that we are really focusing on now are alumni like yourself. Um, who better to talk about how important these programs are than people that have benefited from them? You can them. talk with conviction. You know, um, absolutely. So it, that's really, really important. Parents are really, really important. How hard have they worked to give their students, their children, these opportunities? And how important has TRIO been? to um, making their dreams possible. So, um, and again, our corporate sector, because how are they going to have a diverse uh, leadership if they don't have people that graduate, a diverse group of college graduates to lead these organizations, whether they're schools, whether they're corporations, whether they're hospitals, whatever area of life, if 
we don't graduate leaders, we won't have a diverse leadership group. And that mm -hmm. that's problematic. Our professional class one has done a wonderful job of supporting uh, financially this institution. Uh, but we need to go beyond that. And we have. And uh, now we have mechanisms. We have endowments. And any American can make a contribution to our endowment. We're a 501c3 organization registered in the District of Columbia. Uh, we're a, a charity just like the Red Cross. And so uh, we encourage and urge alumni and others who like make donations to the Council of Opportunity Education to do so. But Maureen is right. The emphasis is on corporations uh, to, because that's where the money is. And they are the ones that benefit from the work of COE by giving, providing them the human resources they need to, to drive their profits. So thus we think it's only fair and reasonable for them to make contributions. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what do you all see next for COE in terms of engagement and advocacy? Well, remember, it's a very discouraging um, political climate right now. Mm -hmm. Colorado contributes to that. Um, we have five members of the House of Representatives that really don't believe in government. So, Including one from my hometown of Pueblo. So, uh, <laughs> so, so they they would be happy in cutting trio funding or eliminating trio programs, and and they've tied the Congress in knots because they've said to the speaker, unless you'd agree to what we want, um, we won't let you be speaker anymore. Mm, yeah. So, so it's really tied in knots right now. And there's, um, and it's only um, people in, in Dr. Mitchum's hometown and in Fort, uh, in, not in Fort Collins, but in um, other parts of Colorado that can say, you know, we didn't vote for you to say that our children shouldn't get educated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Responsible for give, giving, giving my child, our children, um, the opportunity to be educated, and only, and it's we're responsible to all our students and their families to talk about how really important it was is the government be responsive to their needs. Um, I think that's really true. I mean, we okay, uh, absolutely. Uh, now, I also hear. I think you have all informed me before this podcast took place that a new uh, president-elect or a new uh, president will be uh, appointed to COE. Is that accurate? Is that correct? That's right. Kim Jones, who is our executive vice president, herself a lawyer, um, she'll be taking over. Uh, very shortly, is is uh, on October first as oh, wow. president of the DOE, right? Right, amazing, amazing. Um, and I wanted to make this podcast really nice, short, and sweet. I appreciate all the time that you all have given uh, so far, and really wanted the audience to get to know COE, get to know what you all do, uh, and the work that you're doing to advocate for trio programs. But now that we're kind of at the 
part of the podcast where I typically ask the the guest is what type of advice would you have for trio students who are listening to this podcast? We need them. We need them to fulfill their 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 all their potential. We need them to reach for their dreams. And there's a lot of people who want them to achieve their dreams. So they shouldn't they shouldn't be afraid. They shouldn't, you know, uh, we had a, a few weeks ago a number of students, high school students here uh, for a student leadership conference. You know, we've had people, these are high school students who've come to Washington and said, hey, I'm going to run for Congress. Hey, I'm going to run for public office. People should think about that. They need to represent their communities. They need to be principals of their schools. They need to be leaders. And so they sh they should demand that their programs give them what they need and their, their colleges give them what they need. They they're not second class citizens. They're really important to the college. So they need to to be supported and have voice. Before their uh, high school principals and other kind of leaders, they need to read, 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 particularly the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and certain magazines. Reading is critical to develop the insights and the knowledge that is so necessary to advance yourself and to move others. Wonderful. Great responses from you both. Thank you. So you have experience talking to a variety of trio professionals from all over the country. If you had every single trio professional in this room right now, what would you say to them? You have to be organized. You have be to be organized. engaged in your state and regional associations. You have to be the best possible professional you can be because people's lives are in your hands. Dr. Mitchum, I'm sure you've I think it. that's right. We're a new professional class and we're about other people's children. And you got to take that seriously, folks. Dr. Mitchum, uh, Ms. Hoyler, it was such a pleasure to have you, a true, and a true honor to have you both on this podcast. I hope to have you get, again on the future, uh, hopefully more of a one-on-one -on -one and really get to dive into your history. Um, yeah. Well, we thanks, Juan. Thank you. Uh, if you could just uh, very quickly, what is one word you would use to describe yourself? This is something I do in every single podcast episode. Thank you, Mitchell. I was kind. I'm kind. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I'm optimistic. I would say optimistic. Optimistic. Wonderful. Uh, last question. We have a tradition on the Let's Talk Trio podcast where we have the guests sign off from the podcast. Uh, I would love for you all to, uh, uh, you know, join in this tradition and to have you both sign off. Well, thank you for listening today. Thank you for learning more about, and there's so much in trio history. I hope you all dig into it. Thank you. Coming from Colorado, it's wonderful. <laughs> thank you all so much. Trio work! Trio work! Are you a participant, alum, or staff of a trio program? Do you want your program highlighted? You or your program could be featured in an upcoming episode of Let's Talk Trio. Get a hold of us by going to our Facebook page or Instagram and send us a direct message. Search for Let's Talk Trio. We want to get your story to the public. Those were our guests, Maureen Hoyler and Dr. Arnold Mitchum with the Council for Opportunity and Education. Thank you both so much for being on the Let's Talk Trio podcast and sharing the origin story of the Council for Opportunity and Education. Remember, if you would like to be on the Let's Talk Trio podcast or know a staff, 
advocate, participant, or alumni, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Dr. Jamie Motley, Dr. Ryan Barone, Angelica Valdez, Felicia Rivera, Rosario Riley, TrioJobList.com, Jaded Electronics, Nosotros Education Center, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. You too can be a sponsor of the Let's Talk Trio podcast in one of three ways. Become a monthly patron on Patreon. Our base patron level starts at a dollar a month. Become a corporate sponsor via Patreon by placing an ad on our podcast. Email us for details. Become a supporter with a one-time donation to the podcast PayPal account. Our handle is at Let's Talk Trio. Again, that handle is at Let's Talk Trio. I'd like to take a moment to thank our honorary members of the Let's Talk Trio podcast, Roderick Chambers, Tony Ho, Scott Kendall, and Susan Cramp. The Let's Talk Trio podcast team is John Russell, audio engineer, music producer and composer, and post-production editor. Amelia Castañeda, script supervisor, marketing manager, social media manager, and producer. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. This episode was recorded Thursday, July 6th, 2023. Your right to vote is extremely important. Make sure you use every opportunity to exercise that right. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.